On this Byron Lazine podcast, we have Katie Day, team leader of the Move Me to Texas team down in Houston. She's a brilliant brander. That Move Me to Texas brand is incredible. If you're trying to build a brand, this podcast is definitely for you. We talk about some real uncomfortable moments. Katie kind of sticks it to me a couple of times, and it was really funny. We have a great banter. She's a really amazing person, friend of mine, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. I know you're going to take a lot out of it. Katie Day, welcome to the podcast. This is long overdue. Really appreciate our friendship. And I want you to get into a little bit of your background. But if you don't know Katie, it's a shock because you do such a good job branding yourself that most people say, oh, that real company, Katie Day's company, you know, they just think that you started real. So you're doing a great job branding yourself. Why don't you just give us a little bit of your background? how you got into real estate, all of that. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, I'm excited to be here. Um, So I got into real estate full-time back in 2017, and I did it for a while. My husband got in June of 2017. We both kind of did our own thing separately, and then we- Wow, I got to hear about that. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we both kind of just did our own thing, both had our own clients, were working like crazy, and then in 2018, I had the great idea of starting a team. So we decided that we would start a team and we did that at the end of 2018 and then have continued to grow that, uh, the team since then. And, you know, added a little bit more structure than, you know, we just hired a buyer's agent and then we called ourselves the team. So, um, you know, got a little bit more structure and things like that as the years have gone on. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's about it. So you've allowed your husband on the team since 2018. Yeah. Yeah. It was um, a tough interview process, but you know, he passed, he passed the test. But you guys didn't work together for a year. Correct. That is so awkward to me. Well, walk me through like being married to a competitor for a year. I wouldn't necessarily call us, you know, competitors. Um, You know I mean? Same market. Yes, we did work the same market. Um, We still do. But, you know, I I had been in in it for a year, basically six months full time, but a year and a half totally. Right. And he Mm -hmm. had been in it for, you know, he had just got in. So I had enough business that I would, you know, give him referrals. I would, and we have different last names. I'd be like, oh, my colleague Ryan Steer, you know, and and (laughs) give people over to him. Um, And, you know, but we did work all of our own clients. We didn't really do a ton together. Um, you know, there's some married couples out there that like drive to appointments together and and like spend the entire day together. And that's just not um, in the cards for us. Yeah. I mean, I we've been friends for a while and I didn't, I didn't even know that your husband was on your team. So that's, I guess, how much I'm not paying attention. You're right. There's a lot of married couples, partners, out there and it's a different dynamic because like when they get a coach when a, when a married couple gets a coach there's a lot of things the coach just can't help them with because they're married right like they're not a marriage counselor they're a real estate coach and if there's going to be a disagreement in the business i mean that's going to go home with them and they're going to have different conversations than maybe they have with their coach some people have a really open experience with their coach what is it like 
it doesn't sound like you guys are together all the time. What is it like working with your husband? So, yeah, I mean, we're definitely not together all the time. And I think that that makes it a little bit easier. We definitely do have differing opinions on things. Um, So our first coach that we had, definitely we had a lot of kind of, I wouldn't say disagreements, but we didn't always see eye to eye. So it was nice having a coach to be like, okay, hey, you know, Ryan's right in the situation or Katie's right or hey, we can kind of meet in the middle somewhere. Um, Because as you know me, I tend to sometimes dig my heels in on things, uh, you know, as does he. So it was always helpful. But I mean, for the most part, again, we're not working together all day long. And um, we've now kind of determined like specific rules. So I, I think it works. You know, time I look only at, tell, but it, we've, we've been doing it for a while. Yeah. I look at marriage as a business partnership, as yeah. a business agreement. Do, do you look at it that way? I think there are a lot of parallels. Yeah. So you guys have your marriage partnership, your marriage, <laughs> as I call it, business agreement, which that freaks people out when I say it. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a believer in true love. So I think it's a business partnership, a business agreement, marriage. You guys have your real business agreement and in your marriage agreement, those are two different agreements. Who's in charge of the household? Who's in charge of the business? Who has somebody, only one person can have final say, or, or it's doomed for failure in both scenarios. So who's got final say in each? I would say as far as I... As far as the business, at the end of the day, it is my my team. Um, so I would have final say there. Your name is on the door. It, it is. Um, I think as far as you know, household. I know this is super cliche, but I mean, we do have our set things that we do and we're responsible for, and yep. you know, we've we've been clear with that even since we like moved in together when we were dating, right? So I think that. I, yeah, so I, I think that it's it's a so you, you guys mixed. have divided. Hey, you're in charge of this. I'm yeah. in charge of that, and, and there's somebody that's in charge. Final say. I've had fifty fifty partnerships that have failed because of the fact that we never we went into them never figuring out who was going to have final decision for what. It was like we're going to work this whole thing together all the time. And once you come up to a disagreement and you're at a stalemate, you get nothing done. Yeah. Uh, this, Katie, this makes a lot of people uncomfortable what I'm saying right now, because people, like when I put this kind of stuff and I'm just starting to like talk about it more on Instagram, when I yeah. put this kind of stuff out there, people like some people get really heated, like, you know, about because their situation might be different. Never, everybody's got to do what works for them in their marriage. I'm a big believer in clarity on having communication around who does what, when, what the expectations are. And then if that agreement no longer works, well, it's time to renegotiate the agreement, right? Let, let's let's renegotiate and see if we can come to terms. If we can't come to terms, you know what that means. But it, it makes a lot of people uncomfortable because they've got a fairy, in, in my opinion, they've got a fairy tale ending in their head and they want it to play out like the movies. Yeah. Speaking of, did you get a lot of comments on your <laughs> diaper changing TikTok and Instagram? I like how you just yad that, push that one to the side. And <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of comments for that. If you, you know, if you didn't see that post, I made a post on Instagram that said, I forget how, what the hook was, but basically I've got a five-year-old and a one-year-old and I've never changed a diaper. Here's the thing though, Katie, 
and, and I'll, I, may, I can dig in a little bit deeper since you brought it up. You know, you wanted to bring the uncomfort off of you and, and onto me here, so that's fine. Okay, yeah. Thank you for calling uh, me out on that. Very much appreciated. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so here's the deal. My wife and I had discussions for probably two years before we had our first child of what it would look like. And, and I resisted children. So to be fair, I, I was resisting children from the start. But when you're negotiating your partnership, your business partnership, your marriage, as the government likes to call it, then there's got to be concessions. If you're going to come to a great deal, there, there's going to have to be concessions. And I wanted to have kids because she wanted to have them. And we, you know, we decided we made the decision to start a family together. There were things that I had as a non-starter, that being one of them. And it's, it's a, it's more of a analogy towards the bigger picture. Okay. I don't change diapers, but I am focused on building the businesses that are going to set up the goals that are the top of my wife's vision board, our vision board together for the next 20 years. Our life is not to live solely for our children. It's to create a great life for us, for what we want. And so my sole responsibility is to make, we went old school divide and conquer. It's just what we chose to do is to make sure that everything outside of the house is working, make sure that the money is coming in to the household and make sure that these businesses continue to grow. And my wife, has a certain, you know, number that she needs to support our children to make all the hard decisions, do all the real hard work, which is raising the kids. And as long as I hold up my end of the bargain on that financial commitment to allow us to give our children and, and our household the things that we want to give it, then I can continue to do things like not change diapers, travel <laughs> all over the place. Like, you know, we're, we're always at, at events together and whatnot. But the minute I, I don't hold up that end of the bargain, then yeah, I'm changing diapers. I'm probably carpooling. I'm probably pitching in because that means she, she's got to go back to work, right? And so those were the decisions we made. They don't work for everybody. And there were some people in the comments that really were offended. People that we knew that knew of this, but that I would publicly say it. And my wife, I got to tell you, she's just laughing the whole time because we have crystal clear communication around this and it works for us, right? So if it's a deal that's working, we're going to keep investing in it. Yeah. It's not like it was a surprise to her that you hadn't done this in the past five years. <laughs> no, no, no. It was, it was no surprise. Yeah. And, you know, obviously she's got help. We've got nanny and these kind of things, but we're, we're lucky enough to do that because we're, we're putting in the work. I always yeah. say her job's harder than mine because she's 24 seven, you know, yeah. I, I get to, I get to sleep basically. And, I mean, it's it's not always easy that our our one year old wakes up all the time still to this day, but she's got it way harder than I do. You know what, what I'm doing is, you know, you may deal with somebody unhappy, you know, an employee or something like that. That's a lot easier than a crying, screaming kid. Generally, yeah. Generally, <laughs> it, could, it could it could get a little worse, but. Yeah, so I got a little heat. What, what was your did 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 that come off as uh, douchey? How did it come off to you? Um, no, I was just surprised. I was like, man, what a deal! Like to go that long without changing a diaper. I was more impressed yeah. than anything. Well, I, I also the, the also the hidden story is I have a gag reflex. My mom made me pooper scoop for our dog when I was a kid for like yeah. allowance money, 
and I was like dry heaving out there in the yard. So I came yeah. in, I said, I quit. I don't need the, you know, the Nintendo game or whatever I was trying to get. I said, keep that mom. I'm, I'm done. I'll never do this again. And I've been haunted. Thanks to my mom for, for life. <laughs> uh, that concerns me because my husband doesn't, doesn't enjoy picking up after noodle. So, you know, no- noodle is your poodle noodle is. Yeah. Is it a poodle? She's a doodle. Golden a doodle. doodle. Noodle the doodle. What's a doodle in comparison to a poodle? I'm not a dog guy, Katie. So I know, that's another thing. People hate on me. You know this, but that's, I mean, that's honestly more douchey to me than the diaper thing. Like if we're going to lay it all out there and, and, you know, kind of my thoughts on you, I, I had a lot of respect for you. Um, and then when we hung out in person for a couple of days in Dallas, you know, it just, I, how it, much, how on a scale from like 0% to a hundred percent, how much did you respect me? Before you found out I wasn't a dog guy. Before, probably like 87. An 87, solid, yeah. a B plus. Yeah. B plus B. And, and then after? Probably like 8, 8% maybe. An 8. I went yeah. from 87 to 8 or I lost 8%. <laughs> no, no, like down to 8. Wow. So you're a serious dog lover. Oh, I mean, just like kind of my dog, except for the fact that she just broke into my office with the door closed and is looking out the window. I'm like ready to mute in case she starts barking. But um. So she's golden retriever and poodle mix is what that is. And I, you know, yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I, I mean, I'm, I don't have anything against dogs. I'm just way bigger on human beings than, than I am any animal. Yeah. So there's not a particular animal that I like more than the other, the others. But, all right, Katie, you, I mean, you're, you're, I want to get into your branding enough about me. You totally flipped this thing. That's like a Tim Macy move right there. I'm sorry. Never. I, I, don't, your... I don't like being associated uh, with Tim, so I'm very sorry for that. Well, well, people think you started real. They don't think Tim Macy started real, even though I think he did, you know, end up there before you. Those listening don't know what real is. I mean, I don't know if you do you get offended when people say the analogy like it's it's the um, spinoff EXP. I mean, maybe that maybe that would be a little um... not the right way to say it, but. I mean, obviously, the, the business models have similarities, so you know yeah. comparisons are made. I don't know if "spinoff" is the word I would use, but <laughs> it's, um, it's like a Kardashian spinoff show. Okay, yeah, I appreciate you using that analogy. Thank you for that. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little more real motivation out there. No, uh, reels do, reels actually growing like wildfire. I'm really impressed. It, Ryan Pineda, who's going to be on the pod here coming up. He just joined Real Las Vegas. Uh, yep. got a, he's got a ton of followers. I think a million on TikTok and a whole bunch of YouTube and all that. So, so that's a big name for the brand. But you do such a good job of personally branding that people think that that is your brokerage. What's your secret sauce for your personal branding that other agents could emulate? Um, I mean, I just always have it on. So I think that that makes things a little bit easier. If you are associating my team name and logo with my face, then, you know, you're seeing it all the time. Um, no, but all joking aside, I mean, I think that when we started the team and when I kind of started in real estate, first I wanted to find something that I could have a brand on all platforms. Right. So, um, you know, I was looking at Houston and Texas and moving and houses and just different things. And I finally found cable across moved me to Texas and I could, you know, buy the URL, which Brilliant. would then give me my email domain name. It was available on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the things. Um, so I was like, you know, I don't know if I'm going to go on all these platforms, but let me at least, you know, reserve, reserve the usernames. 
And that was kind of that. Um, and then when we started the team, I, you know, a lot of people do, you know, the Katie Day team or whatever and use their name. I didn't really want to do that. Um, so I just same. figured stay with the same branding since I had already, you know, been using it for the past year or so. Um, yeah. So I just kind of rolled it into the team name. Um, and then I didn't have to rebrand, you know, in starting a team. It's, I don't know if you even consider this when you did it, but it's much more saleable in the future. If you ever wanted to exit your business, the Katie Day business is, you know, the business is the same, but the Katie Day business then requires your brand to remain where move me to Texas could literally be sold to anyone. And if you wanted to truly exit, it's a lot cleaner of an exit. What are your thoughts though on companies at real or EXP actually being able to sell their business in the future because of the dynamics of everybody on the team having, you know, their rev share, their downline, a lot of that they're waiting for it to actually hit their accounts. Do you believe companies at real or EXP have to be in it forever or do they actually have a saleable business? Um, I mean, I think that obviously with other streams of income, you know, it makes it a little bit more feasible, you know, with a real or an EXP business model. But I mean, I think anyone that's running their business like a business at any brokerage, you know, whether it's newer and kind of tech or cloud based or, you know, a little more old school with brick and mortar and things like that, you know, the, the possibility is there. So, I mean, it's always something we've thought about as we've, you know, continued to grow and scale. Um, but... I definitely think having other streams of income, if you're going to be in the real estate realm, definitely makes it easier, you know, if you kind of want to stay within the umbrella of real estate, but no longer want to buy and sell homes. Yeah, yeah, Make, definitely makes it easier to stay. But but do you believe it makes it harder for you as the business owner to actually sell knowing that your team has their downline, has their rev share? Um. Hmm. Or haven't thought about it. I haven't really thought about that. Um, I've thought about it. I've yeah. brought it up to Tim Macy a few <laughs> times. Yeah. I mean, I think that um, at least for our model, you know, anyone that's collecting RevShare still has to sell some homes every year. Um, so, you know, I think that probably throws a little bit of wrench, uh, wrench into things, um, you know, but it may just change the structure of, you know, your team and your business and, and stuff like that. So I haven't really thought about that. Um, that's definitely an interesting kind of concept. I'll keep you on, question. I'll keep you on your toes. I know. Thank you. <laughs> What's the most exciting part of real right now? You, you, I mean, you guys are blowing up. What's most exciting to you about real? Yeah. One of the things that I'm really excited about, as you kind of said, is the growth. Um, what I wasn't really expecting in coming over was also kind of the collaboration. Um, so it's been really cool to meet a lot of people across the country. Some of them I only knew online. Some of them I had never even met, you know, until I came to real and was. And you and Tim Macy have done such a great job of cultivating that culture. I, I mean, we're definitely trying to, right? Um, and that's where I think that everyone has that same mindset, though, which is really cool. And that's something that I wasn't sure you know, would exist with kind of a, a virtual company, one. And two, I, I didn't know a lot of people um, outside of kind of my immediate group, right, of of friends that were 
here or we're coming over or things like that. So it's been really cool to kind of see how willing everyone is to help no matter, you know, where you are in the country or who, you know, your upline is or whatever. Like it just, that's been, you know, as you, as you know, me and my personality, that was something that was a a surprise, you know, as far as an added benefit of, of being here. Is it weird to say real? I'm at real. Is that a weird word to say? Or do you say real brokerage? Um, I say both. It, it just kind of depends. There's a brokerage here in Houston called Realm. So oh. sometimes I'll, I'll say, and then there's a real property management. It's like real oh, property boy. management is a thing. So sometimes if I'm calling, I'll either just say the Move Me to Texas team or I'll say, hey, you know, this is Katie Day with Real Broker. Um, just to ensure that they understand what I'm saying. It's real broker, not real brokerage. It depends on the state, but we're oh, real broker LLC here. In Texas, cool. Yeah. Who's the broker? It's uh, not you, is it? It's not. No, I don't even have my broker's license. I'm slacking. But are you going to get it? I've applied for it. Did um, you fail? I've I haven't taken the test. I've just applied. I okay. All right. Gone yet? I'll let you know if I fail though, so that you can put it out on you know like national, out to the I'll, world. I'll break the story. <laughs> the story that no one reads. You're like, man, no one opened that because no nobody, one cares. Nobody cares that Katie failed her, um, her broker's test. What's what's the deal with the CEO of of Real Broker? Tamir. Yeah. He's he's our CEO. No. Um, he, he's. I mean, he's are you going to give me a PR answer, or what do you like, don't like about him? No, he um so this may be something that a lot of people don't know. I actually was with Real back in 2016 when I was oh, a part-time I So we were founded they were around 20, then. Yeah, we were founded in 2014, but I was I was here oh, in 2016. Wow. Texas was one of the first states that we opened. Um and it was just high splits, you know, no fees or anything. So I joined as a new agent like, "Oh, hey, like I'm going to make a ton of money." Yeah. Um you know, I was part time. So you know I mean, we, I think we all know how that goes. But um, so I, you know, kind of knew Tamir, um, you know, obviously didn't meet in person or anything. But like when I left, I remember him calling me and being like, why are you leaving? Like what what's the driving factor? Like what can we do to keep you? And like we stayed in touch between like 2017 to when I came back. Um, uh, so, you know, I have a lot of for a while. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I didn't realize that, it was 2014. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prior to that, he did um, like construction and um, like multifamily and development and stuff like that. Um, but no, I have a ton of respect for him. Um, I think that, you know, when you when you talk to him, you know, I think every leader and every, you know, CEO and manager and founders like, oh, yeah, like we're doing this for the agents. And, you know, we, yeah. we really want to create a great company. I mean, and some of them don't even say that, but a lot of people, you know, say that. And when it's you like blah 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 yeah yeah but like when you have a conversation with him um you know he you can tell that he truly feels that way you know and, and can just it's it's pretty cool um so yeah i mean i think it's well, interesting to see how it's co- how far the company's come yeah he's doing it right now you know big thanks to you and you know everybody that you've brought on and Obviously, your, your connection with with Tim, you you guys are kind of you guys are spearheading the whole thing. So, in my opinion, uh, obviously, the Pineda news is big news. So that's good. You you mentioned something about being there part time back in twenty uh, well seventeen when you started, but 
you mentioned they had the high splits and you, you thought you were going to make a bunch of money. What's the biggest mistake you made thinking you could do real estate part-time? I, I think that that's it, right? Is thinking that I could do it part-time. Yeah. Um, you know, exactly I, it. I got into it and then I had like a contract job. So I was doing, you know, some real estate on the weekends and evenings and things like that. But, you know, in order to fully immerse yourself and be dedicated, you have to be, honestly, I think you have to be full-time. Otherwise you're working two right. full-time jobs. So um, yeah, I mean, I, it wasn't a priority. And then when that end of the year came between 2016 and 2017, I was like, you know, I think I need to do this full-time and and go all in and, you know, figure it out. My take, which, you know, obviously we, we talked about it earlier in the pod, can sometimes my takes can be a little triggering. My take is part-time real estate agents, not part-time licensees because you may hold a license to flip or you may hold a license to invest or there's a number of reasons people would get a real estate license. But when I say real estate agent, that's somebody that's actually assisting buyers, sellers, and investors place their money with a property, sell their property, market their property. My opinion is part-time real estate agents are disrespecting consumers and are what's wrong with the industry. Do you take it that far or do you, or do you feel like there's a place for part-timers as real estate agents? I think that there are a lot of people that started out part-time, went full-time and are have become very successful. Um, but they're definitely not the majority. You know, they're a very small minority of agents. So, you know, I don't... Well, I, and Katie, here's the thing, right? You can be a full-time agent and have another job. I actually believe that. So there, there's the wrinkle there where you could work nights and also work full... You could work a 40-hour night shift. You could work full-time real estate, answer all your calls, answer all your emails. You're only going to be sleeping like five hours a day and at some point make the switch but there are people that need less sleep. So I believe you can do that, but you have to work the business full-time hours to actually be valuable to the consumers and everything's about consumers. Well, and I, and, and I would say that those people that are actually putting in the full-time work are the minority of part-time agents. Yes. In my opinion. So I agree with you. I, agree, I think we I agree. agree. I just use less opinionated words. But tell me, how do you feel about that when I use opinionated words? No, I mean, it's, it's all good. I would just say like, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm more like just try to fly, fly slightly more under the radar, I guess, but I don't, I don't disagree with what you're saying. Are you, uh, I feel like you're taking a lot of shots at me here today, Katie. Are you, this Monday morning, uh, pod, not, not, uh, not a good time for you. I, no, I think it's a great time. Uh, I'm. I apologize, Byron. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking with you. Kate. I thought you had thicker I'm, skin, good. but I, you know. No, I do, I do. But I just thought, you know, <laughs> knowing now that I went from an 87 to an eight on uh, the respect level for you, I guess yeah. I, I shouldn't be surprised. Well, I, didn't know that I mean, before. if you if you were a dog person, I probably would be more respectful. But you know, after I found that out, it was just really it, it cut deep. So. Jeremy Knight, he put up a story on Instagram the other day and he had a t-shirt with like a dog. Oh, his dog t-shirt and the sunglasses. Anyways, 
Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it was. And he he writes on there, this one's for you, and tags me. And I, I DM him back. I'm like, Jeremy, are you, are you trying to get me canceled here? What are you doing to me? Come on, man. I thought we were boys. That's amazing. No, it's not amazing. I'm, I'll, I'll get him back for that. I actually have, a, uh, I have an interesting picture of him late when we were all hanging out in Dallas. So m- maybe I'll just post that one, one day randomly on him. Um, you know? I included a picture of him while Jason was talking with his head down on the desk in my reel recapping that, that mastermind. And I actually didn't even realize I was just looking at Jason. I didn't see Jeremy in the background. So Jeremy was actually pretty mad at me. He's like, why'd you post that picture? <laughs> <laughs> what a great mastermind that was. You're, you're amazing in a mastermind and like keeping masterminds going and connecting people. Like, what do you get from getting inside of a room like that? Dallas mastermind was 20 to 25 people who, you know, are, are really growing their social and into marketing. What do you get from spending like two days with, with people like that? No, it was awesome because I think that everyone in that room did, we all do different things in media and social media and branding and marketing. So it was cool for everyone to kind of come together and, you know, kind of state their case as to why what they're doing works for them. And I think that we all understood that like, we're not going to come away from that meeting being like, oh, well now I need to do all things. But I mean, I think both of us have definitely gone in on short form video and increased the amount of, you know, content that's being put out. Um, And yeah, I mean, I think that it's, it's cool seeing kind of everyone increase their content and change their content and increase the quality and stuff like that. So, um, you know, that's, that's what I love about masterminds. And, you know, I think that was an awesome you know, room to be in. It is. There's another one coming up, right? Yeah. You going? I I'm gonna pop up for the for the day, yeah. But I've got an event day. that weekend, so that's right. And so yeah. I guess we will let you plug that because I you know I brought that up so you could you could lead yeah. right in. I mean, it. if anyone's still even even listening at this point, but oh yeah, um, I mean, well they're definitely they're they're listening because they want to see if you're gonna take another shot at me. So they're uh, they're definitely. They're definitely listening. Okay. Yeah. Let me, I'll work on that. I'll add some more in, but um, yeah, it's the real estate video blueprint we're hosting on April 22nd and 23rd and basically going to go like all in on really tactical. And I hate that word, but tactical, you know, things for both short form and long form for TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and really just, you know, then from there, you know, building out more of a media company than just, you know, a real estate agent posting reels and TikToks type thing. So, um, what do you yeah. mean by that? A lot of people say that build a media company instead of the real estate business. How do you define that? I mean, I think it's, it's similar to, you know, what you're doing, what, um, Ken Posick's doing, you know, I mean, Ken's started the Orlando reel where they're breaking news in Orlando. Um, you know, and they're not just focused on like, Oh, Hey, let me tell you the best neighborhoods to live in. They're like, Hey, if you live here, this is what you can expect. Um, and, and just, I, I think it's that next level or that next step from, you know, realtor to, you know, community expert and news person of some sort. Yeah. And ha- having the attention in the community focused on you and your team, what's the team up to right now? What do you, how many agents you got? What's your structure? Yes. Yeah, so we've got 10 total agents. That's including my husband and I, and then we've got, um, a videographer and two admin. Love it. Love it. What's the plan for this year? What are you guys going to do? 
Um, as far as our production, we're looking to do around 400 sides this year. Um, nice. so last year we did. That's really good with 10. Well, we're also going to try to scale to 25. Yes. Okay. But great. I mean, you know, as you know, like you bring on an agent, they're not going to sell a home today. So 25 by the end yeah. of the year, 400 total sides. Um, and yeah, just continue to grow the team. Well, it sounds like you have high producing agents. What, what's your hack for getting high productive agents around you? Micromanagement? No. Um, <laughs> it feels like it sometimes, probably for them I'm, and for I'm us. I'm a believer. No, I mean, we, we definitely are a high accountability team, um, but maybe not to the extent of, you know, like a Phil Gertis or I know, I know y'all's team is pretty high accountability, but I mean, we do have a daily huddle in the mornings. We have a weekly team meeting. We do two different role play sessions each week. Um, so we kind of mix the old school, like we're going to practice scripts and, you know, read through those and objection handling, but also, you know, post a lot on social media and do reels and have content days and stuff like that. So, um, that's kind of that side of it. And then, you know, as far as lead flow, a lot of our leads that are coming in are from social, from YouTube and Instagram and agent to agent referrals and things that, you know, I feel are kind of uh, higher intent, lower funnel leads. So, um, you know, I think that it's, it's somewhat easier to convert. Um, but I mean, we're still practicing, you know, all the scripts and stuff like that as well. Are you guys in the city of Houston or the suburbs? Yes and yes. So, um, you know, I live, I live just outside of downtown, but we've got, um, eight other agents, right. And they live all the way from downtown up to Cypress, Hockley, which is like Northwest Houston suburbs, um, down to Missouri city, which is down in Fort Bend County, Southwest. Um, and as we continue to add agents, you know, I'm looking to add them in the suburbs as well as in the city, because I mean, we service basically 45 ish minutes to an hour outside of the city. Um, so, you know, having people in kind of all of the quadrants of, of suburbs will, you know, continue to be helpful as we grow and, and scale. Houston, obviously one of the fastest growing cities and, you know, you hear things about, you know, you hear all oh, the, you know, climate change is impacting Houston, all this stuff. The other thing you hear a lot about Houston is the real estate market is contingent on the oil business. Is that true or false right now? So we definitely have a lot of energy here uh, in oil and gas. Um, you know, when when the price of a barrel, when oil is up, you know, things are definitely better than when it's down. But I mean, we, so you're loving seen... life right now. <laughs> well, and that's what's so weird, right? Is that like interest rates go up, but then oil also has, you know, and, and obviously prices everywhere have increased. So it's it's just kind of interesting. And we'll see, you know, as the year progresses, kind of what what happens here, you know, with home prices. So um, home prices do have some correlation to oil. I mean, not that like it goes down and then home prices crash or anything like that, but obviously the amount of people that are moving it in for energy type jobs and things like that is higher when oil's doing well. Um, but I mean, we've got a lot of other industries. We have the, the world's largest medical center here in Houston. There's, we have the port. So we have a lot of like import export stuff. Um, you know, some tech is starting to trickle over from Austin and obviously California and things like that. So it's not like, you know, 99% of jobs are in the oil and gas and energy field. Um, there's, there's a lot more diverse of an economy than, you know, the eighties. So the future of Houston, you believe Houston could, uh, you know, turn into something else. If we shift away from gas and oil, it could become 
you know, another economy. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that there's a lot that's already happening, but if, if, you know, things continue to trend in that direction, you know, I, there, we, our economy would have no choice but to pivot. Right. I mean, yeah. You, you look at like New Yorkers are so passionate about their city, about their state. There's other cities you can name, you know, Houston, I don't know if I get the same feeling. Maybe it's just based off of sports, but is it just too transient? Are people passionate about living in Houston, Texas? I think I think Texans are very passionate about being Texans. Um, I mean, I've I've only been here for, I guess now more than ten years, but so I moved here in twenty eleven. Um, but you know, I think I mean Astros fans are very diehard fans if they're if yeah. they're a fan right i mean they'll, they'll cheat if they have to I, you know i mean a win's a win hey, in my book i'm just gonna write it in the books i'm not even really a baseball fan at all so no, I, you know um but no i mean i think that there's there's definitely a lot of pride uh houston pride and texas pride um but i mean we do have a very transient population it's like kind of a joke you know, if we're doing a consult with someone, I'm like, oh, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? And they're like, oh, I'm from Houston. I'm like, oh, that's rare. You never find anyone that's, you know, <laughs> born and raised here. And then we both laugh and then, you know, continue on with the conversation. But what are, um, what are the three biggest feeder markets to Houston? So right now, um, inside Texas, there's a lot of movement, right? So like Austin and Dallas to Houston and back and forth. Um, okay. And then California and um Illinois. I was like, what's that state? It's not Chicago, Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they do have a state. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a lot of California people. I mean, the comments, anytime I put up a California clip, they light up. So, I mean, do you want to, do you want to rip Californians or something? So I, I can get an extra, uh, bunch of views on Instagram or, or, or do you not want to rip them? Um, I mean, so here's the thing is like, I think you know, the don't California, my Texas is something that said a lot. Um, you know, a lot of people are leaving California due to the, you know, policies that have occurred over the past two years. Um, but all of the clients that I've helped move from LA or the Bay Area to Texas have all been really excited to move here, right? Yeah. They're not like, oh man, I hate Texas and I, I want to come be super liberal in Texas or anything like that. You know, I think that's also a little bit of a stereotype, but all of our yes, clients that have moved here have been have been really cool and like really excited to move because Houston. What a lot of people don't know is like Houston is super diverse. I think we speak the most amount of languages in any than any other city uh, wow. in Houston. Um, and like you can like go to the park or the grocery store, and I can almost guarantee you're going to hear like multiple languages being spoke around you, and you're like, "What is happening? Like this is crazy." Um, you know, we've got a ton of diverse food and stuff like that. So I mean, I just I think people think you know, old school Western, you know, movie when they think of Texas, but Houston could, couldn't be anything further from that in my, in my book. But you are seeing a lot of Californians. We are. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and people have overblown that because if you look at the numbers, it's, I mean, well, overblown it and not, it is number one for, you know, most outbound, Moves, you know, yeah. migration and it is 1% of the population, but you know, California is still the fifth largest economy in the world. It's still got a whole bunch of advantages, the weather being one of them. It's just so damn expensive. I mean, that that's it's one of the hardest parts about about living in California. Well, and that's the thing too, is like a lot of the clients that we have, we're selling, you know, two bedroom condos or very small homes, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like them and two kids, or you know, a couple and two kids, or um, and then they're moving here and for 
you know, four or five, 600K, they can buy, you know, a four or five bedroom house in a nice suburb with good schools. And they're like, we were living in a two bedroom, one bath, pulling our hair out with our children and, you know, on top of us all day, every day, especially over the past two years. Um, and then they move here and have these like massive two story homes with a yard or a pool. And, um, you know, the, your money just goes a lot further in Texas than California. Yeah. No, yeah. No doubt. Anywhere. Right. Yeah. So if I don't see you at the mastermind in April in Dallas, I'm going to see you in August, right? You're going to go to the Tom Ferry summit in August. I will be at the Tom Ferry summit in August. Yes. What's the drive from, uh, Houston to Dallas? I fly, but fly. it's about okay. four hours. It's like a 45 yeah, minute so flight. Um, and JSX now flies. So it's like, you know, you walk in, minutes before the flight, hop on a plane and, you know, it's great. Good. So I'll definitely see you there. And then ho hopefully I can work my, my grade up from single digits back into the double digits. We'll see. You know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to put out any false promises. Like I'm a, I'm normally a pretty straightforward person. So I don't want to say that that will definitely happen, but you know, we can definitely work on it. I'm open to it. I'm, su I'm surprised you even did this podcast with me being at an eight out of a hundred on, on the respectability scale. Yeah. Well, you know, I didn't realize I had accepted. All right. Well, I'll, I'll send you the check. And, uh, <laughs> if you, if you don't know the Katie day brand, I'm shocked, but make sure you go and get hooked up with all of her stuff. Move me to Texas. That's brilliant. If you're starting a team, I would definitely do it the way Katie's done it, where you build the brand around something like that. Move me to Texas, may maybe your location, something outside of your first and last name in the future. If you ever want to exit, it's going to be a lot more saleable. Uh, so if you are thinking about starting a team or a brand, I'd be doing it the Katie Day way. And hopefully that got me into like the 10, 10 percentile here. All right, Katie, I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks, man. Appreciate you.